three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today's Friday, November 29th, early in the morning. And uh, I planned to originally record this after Thanksgiving dinner last night. Uh, that obviously did not happen. Uh, I'll just be honest, and I'm, I'm totally okay with what happened. I was just having a great time with my family. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to end this experience. I'm just going to let it play out. Um, I already recorded another episode yesterday. I think you guys understand. I, I, it's okay. I'm, I'm fine with it. Uh, the episode's about 16 hours later than I wanted to. It's fine. I really think it was worth it last night to be with my family. Uh, that mean, they mean a lot to me, and I just had a good time with them. And so I think, I think it's just all okay on every front. Now, today's episode is made possible entirely by Patreon.com. I am answering questions from Patreon. This is Ask Zach. We'll call it Ask Zach Episode 1. I'm so excited. Here's how it works. You go to Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. A dollar a month gives you access to submit questions. Uh, and you know, you DM, you can either direct message me on Patreon or comment on a post on Patreon. Uh, and you can give me more than a dollar if you want. Uh, please do. It literally pays my rent, but I look a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. Uh, but I do guarantee I look at every question with my eyeballs. I pick the top couple. And then once a week I record an episode where I answer questions. I call it, here it is. Ask Zach. Um, Guys, I'm so excited, so happy. I hope you had a great, wonderful Thanksgiving yesterday. Michael wrote in to start the show. Michael wrote in and said, well, (laughs) somebody has to ask, what are you most thankful for this year? Happy Thanksgiving, bro. Um, This sounds, I I wish I had a more, like, I feel kind of guilty that this is my answer, but also it's honest. Uh, The number one thing I'm most thankful for is strong opinion sports. I love, this is my, my dream job. Like, I get to do what I love. Every single day. There are so many people that support it. Um, I, I put everything into this. I take it really, really seriously. And I just love it. It's my passion. It's my favorite thing in the world. And so Strong Opinion Sports, the number one thing I'm thankful for, honestly, is getting to do this show every day. And uh, it just brings me so much joy. Uh, the other things I'm thankful for, I'm really thankful for my family. Uh, they're, I mean, look, I kind of have everything. I have a dream job. I have this incredible family, both you know, blood relatives and then family that I've built through friendships and um, you know, I, I lived with my best friend's family for a couple of years and we, I just kind of adopted into their family as well. And I just really have this incredible community of people that support me. And it means so much to me. Um, I have my dream girl, you know, my girlfriend and I were best friends for five years all through high school. Um, and, uh, now we're dating and that really is like, it, oh man, it makes me so happy. Uh, I probably say it way too much. Um, it really is meaningful to me. I love my girlfriend very much. So yeah, I mean, dream job, incredible family, great girlfriend. My life is, um, is really awesome. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy, man. And that means a lot to me to say there was a time in my life where I wasn't happy and I'm, I'm really grateful for everything I have and everything going on with me. Um, Ed boy writes in, Ed boy says, Hey Zach, just wanted to say happy holidays to not only you, but all of SOS nation, man. I love that SOS nation. That's really cool. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody, man. I hope you know, whether you're in America or not, I just hope you had a wonderful day yesterday. Um, he says, my question is, what team that's in the playoff hunt right now has the greatest potential to make a holiday playoff push and sneak in? There's some teams that if they get in the wild card can make some upsets in the playoffs. So that's what Ed Boy says. Tyler also wrote in with a similar question. He says, hey, Zach, with the Steelers, the Titans, the Raiders, and the Colts, all at 6-5, and five, 
in the AFC and the Browns at five and six, which team do you see making the sixth seed in the playoffs? And do you see that team making any noise and advancing in the playoffs? So right now, the way it's stacking out, the Bills are nine and three. It's pretty clear they're going to be a wild card team. There's only one spot open pretty much in the AFC playoff picture. I think it's going to go to a team that nobody seems to respect enough, in my opinion. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts are phenomenal. I, I know that they're six and five. Um, I know they've had moments this year where you're like, that's not the best. Uh, but they're one game behind the Texans. The Texans uh, play the Patriots this week on Sunday Night Football. It's possible that, honestly, the Colts even win their division. They have five games left. They play the Titans, the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Panthers, and the Jaguars. It's likely the Colts go 10-6 and six or 9-7. and seven. Um, Their quarterback, Jacoby Brissett, is fine. But the reason why I believe so heavily in the Colts, I'm a, I'm a, I really think I might be the biggest supporter of the Colts uh, on the internet. I, like, I love them. Their offensive and defensive line are phenomenal. Their front seven, their linebackers, their, their, their defensive line on defense is phenomenal. They play the run really, really well. And their offensive line is phenomenal. And later in the year, you know, December, January, how do you win football games when it's cold and snowy and wet, whatever you want to call it? Man, I'm telling you, if the Colts go to Foxborough, New England, they go to Foxborough, Massachusetts to play against the New England Patriots. Oh, my gosh. Uh, they have the people in place to make that a really tough football game and potentially beat a team like the Patriots. I think nobody's giving the Indianapolis, the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts the respect they deserve. Uh, I think people write them off because of Jacoby Brissett, who's, again, not phenomenal. But the roster, the people they have in that building are all capable. And I think the Colts are the team, the, the, the sleeper team that nobody's really paying enough attention to. Okay, that was Tyler's question. This is a different person. He, he writes in his, his name on, the, on Patreon is W. Tyler. He writes in, he says, Happy Thanksgiving, Zach. As a Dolphins fan, I'm anxious to see what we do in both the offseason and the draft. While I love a complete look-in on what the Finns may or should do, I realize that may be a lot to ask. That being said, what are the top five options you think the Dolphins should go for to bring in, stick, or, to bring in or stick with behind its center? Rosen should be the guy. Should Rosen be the guy, or is our future in Tua, Herbert, etc.? I'm not sure if Burrow or even Tua will be there by our pick. So if not them, who else? Apologies for the long question. It's my first ask, Zach. Oh my gosh! Thank you for reading this with your eyeballs, Tyler. I didn't know. W. I think your name is like Austin, actually, but that's your, your screen name, dude. Thank you so much, man. Really cool. That's your first question. Um, I also before we answer W. Tyler's question. Um, I want to also read Adam's question as well. Adam writes in, he says, Hey Zach, I'm pretty sure you're getting tired of questions about Rosen. Not really. I mean, I, there's not a lot to talk about, but we'll, we'll do it. He's also, the reason why I'm not tired of Josh Rosen questions is because he's really one of the more fascinating, you know, players in all of football, because here's the thing. He was drafted 10th overall last year. He was with one team his rookie year, another team his second year. He might go to a third team next year. I've, I don't think we've ever seen a top 10 pick go to three teams in three years. That's just, and, and at quarterback, it's wild and weird. Uh, so Adam writes in, he says, I want to know how you feel about Rosen to the Falcons. I don't think Ryan is anywhere near done, but I don't think it would hurt to have someone to groom behind him. Plus, I've been watching a lot of Matt Ryan and Josh Rosen college games. I feel they are very similar to each other. Okay. Um, I think for the Dolphins, the question is, Tua might be there. It's possible Tua... Tungvaloa is available. If I think a team might trade up literally to get him, the question to me is: Do the Dolphins would the Dolphins rather move forward with Josh Rosen 
or Justin Herbert, the quarterback out of Oregon. That, to me, is really what the decision is going to come down to. Um, there's a huge issue that Josh Rosen has. It's the reason why he looks like Matt Ryan. Josh Rosen can't move. He, <laughs> he's very limited with his mobility. He can't extend a play. He's kind of a dinosaur. You watch Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. Every quarterback in that draft class has the ability to extend a play. Sam Darnold had a play last week against the Raiders where he's running to the left. He flips his shoulders. He throws a perfect pass right over linebacker, perfectly into his guy's hands. It was an incredibly beautiful, wonderful throw. Josh Rosen can't do that. And Josh Rosen is a, kind of a dinosaur in the world of football where, and I think the reason why quarterbacks who can't move are dying off is because it takes time. Uh, in order for a quarterback who cannot move around in the pocket to succeed is you have to be a master of NFL defenses. You know, Tom Brady, the reason why he can succeed without being able to extend a play is because Tom Brady knows all his matchups. He understands perfectly where to go with the football every time Tom Brady gets the ball out of his hands really, really quickly. Josh Rosen is still processing things. He's not quick enough to make decisions. It costs him. We saw Matt Ryan last night. Why did Matt Ryan lose? He was sacked, I believe, it was nine times or 11 times against the New Orleans Saints. That's awful. That's miserable, and it would help so much if he could extend a play and avoid a sack. He would have probably been sacked four times if he was, you know, Justin Herbert would have been sacked probably four times last night when Matt Ryan was sacked nine or 11. I think, I think the number's actually nine. Either way, that's ungodly and ridiculous. And the fact that you're sacked that many times shows you have a mobility issue. You, you're, yes, your offensive line is terrible. Yes, absolutely. But the ability to escape a sack and roll out to the right or roll to the left and extend a play isn't there for guys like Matt Ryan or Josh Rosen. And the reason why so many young quarterbacks can move now is because, hey, when you're not as polished, when you're Patrick Mahomes and you're in your second year playing and you're not as refined as maybe you need to be with a decision-making standpoint, you can run around and extend a play. So I, I think if I'm the Dolphins, honestly, I say I'm not going to stick with Josh Rosen because I want a quarterback who can move. That's the new wave of the future. I want a guy who can extend a play. Justin Herbert can move. Now, a lot of people will question Justin Herbert's leadership, but a lot of people also question Josh Rosen's leadership. I, again, go back to this point. What, is the, what are the Dolphins going to do with Josh Rosen? It's probably the most interesting storyline to me going into this offseason. There's a lot of quarterback movement coming. But the fact that the Dolphins might move on from Josh Rosen is interesting and bizarre. And now if they keep him, here's the one thing. If the Dolphins do indeed decide to keep him, man, they're set up well. They can draft Chase Young. They could draft a really good player in the first round, like in the top five, and have a franchise quarterback. It just depends on do they believe in Josh Rosen or not. He's really, to me, Josh Rosen. The reason why I'm not sick of questions of, from him, about him is because he is the most fascinating storyline going into this year's NFL offseason. Liam writes in, he says, Happy Thanksgiving, Zach. My question is, Tua is still a top Tua is still a top quarterback prospect in this draft and is the best quarterback there, in my opinion. But will his hip in, with his hip injury, how far do you think he will fall? So the question is, how far will Tua fall in the NFL draft in April? My honest opinion is Tua will not fall even a little bit. He's just not going to. Uh, the top 10 today has the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Chargers. If, if the NFL draft happened right now, there are three teams just in the top 10 alone that need quarterbacks. Right now, the only three quarterbacks I'm hearing that are really like the three best quarterbacks, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, and Tua, 
their supply and demand. You know, also you can remember the Buccaneers have would have the twelfth pick. Uh, the Panthers would have the 14th pick. The Titans would have the 17th pick. The Colts would have the 18th pick. There's no way Tua Tungavaloa reaches the, let's say, the 18th pick. It's not going to happen. Someone's either going to trade up for him or make a move for him. You don't see a quarterback fall that far in the draft when there's such a demand for quarterbacks in the NFL. I would be shocked. Now, remember, there are also free agent quarterbacks. Someone's going to sign Teddy Bridgewater. I think someone's going to pick up Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles, depending on who the Jaguars go with. It seems like they want Nick Foles, which is just bizarre to me. Um, but so that'll take two teams off the board, at least not to mention Brady or whoever, you know, there, there's, I think multiple quarterbacks are going to move around and someone's going to go somewhere else, but I, I just don't see Tua falling at it. Let's say in it, instead of 18, let's say the top 20, there's no way Tua falls to 21st overall. It's just not going to happen. Uh, someone's either going to trade up for him or take him or, or make it happen. The Patriots are going to move up for him. If nothing else, I mean, nobody is going to let Tua fall out of the top 20 and probably he's going to get drafted in the top 10. Uh, there's just such a demand for quarterbacks. There's no way. There's no way. Even with his hip injury, quarterback is such a needed position. It's not going to happen that a team is going to let him go to the late first round. It's just not. He's not going to make it there. Now, Seb and Josh wrote in. I really liked their question. Seb says, Happy Thanksgiving, Zach, to you and all your family. My question, and, and I want to say, by the way, part of my family is you guys listening. And you, you Patreon supporters are the, the deepest and richest connections I have in the community of strong opinion sports. I consider you guys family. So happy Thanksgiving to all of you guys, man. Uh, it's awesome. Seb writes in, he says, my question is a non-football related one. What is your favorite part of Thanksgiving dinner? Seb, I think, I, he, in fact, you know how I know Seb is from, the, from Europe? A, from the questions he's written in before. But he also wrote his favorite with a U. <laughs> That's the tell. If you, know, if you don't know, if you're from America and you don't really branch out much, some people spell favorite, F-A-V-O-U-R-I-T. That's the European way of saying favorite. Nothing on you, Seb. It's just interesting. Like, oh, Seb, favorite. Um, what's my favorite dish? Actually, Josh wrote in too. Josh says, hey, Zach, my question is, what is your favorite Thanksgiving side? Um, it's been interesting this year. Uh, my girlfriend found out she's celiac. I am actually really allergic to dairy. It makes my throat. Like, I have, I have a big problem with my throat. Uh, I'm really mucusy all the time. It's really a pain. And a big reason for this is because I'm very allergic to dairy. And it's really hard not to get dairied. And I avoid it at all costs. And how do you go to Thanksgiving dinner with a bunch of people and not have dairy and not have gluten? She's celiac, which means she cannot have gluten. And so we had a really fun Thanksgiving at her house where we cooked her you know, food that she could eat, and it was awesome. Uh, my favorite dish in Thanksgiving history, like it is my all-time favorite dish. I love mashed potatoes, gravy, and then either turkey or ham, and you just mix them all together and you just mush it up, and it's like, oh, man. I'm a big mashed potatoes guy. Uh, my girlfriend made it incredible, perfectly made mashed potatoes that were creamy and fluffy, and they had uh, fake sour cream, or fake, excuse me, fake cream cheese, and we put garlic powder, just, oh my gosh, I love it. Um, so my favorite, absolute favorite Thanksgiving dish is mashed potatoes, gravy, and whatever meat you're serving, whether it's you know turkey or ham, and just make a, get a bowl and mix it all up, happy Zach. It was phenomenal. I had way too much of it last night. Um, just that is exactly how I want to spend every Thanksgiving for the rest of my life. I'm a weird person. I like the same. Look, if you haven't noticed, I wear the same exact shirt every single episode because I'm a very boring, bland person. I like to do the same thing every time because I like dependability. I like knowing exactly what I'm going to go get out of experience. That's why I, if I drink coffee, honestly, I just drink Starbucks because I guess what? I know exactly what I'm going to get. Uh, so I like dependability and, uh, that's what I do every Thanksgiving 
the exact same thing. It makes me very, very happy. Brandon wrote in. Brandon says, Happy Thanksgiving, Zach. I'm thankful for you and the content you make. Brandon, I'm thankful for you and your support on Patreon. It means a lot to me. He says, Best sports-related channel and podcast out there. I hope by this time next year you're broadcasting games. Now, his question is, Will the Pac-12... By the way, I hope I'm broadcasting... You know, I don't know. What I, I think I would like to do broadcasting games. Honestly, I would prefer to do the XFL. I learned uh, recently that it's hard to travel on weekends and then come back and do a show. It's just almost... It's nearly impossible, especially by... I don't have any help. I don't have a producer. I don't have any editors. I, I do all the show by myself. It's really, really hard to do this. And so... Um, you know, leaving for a whole weekend really throws me off my rhythm. If I do it, I want to fly, have a hotel room, get back Sunday night. But even then, I don't watch as much football as I need to on the weekend when I travel for games. So I would prefer to do the XFL, which is in the spring. Because I'm not missing... In the spring, there's not college football. And on the weekend, in the regular season, during the fall, you have about eight or nine college football games you have to watch on Saturday and about eight or nine NFL games to watch on Sunday. I can't do that if I'm traveling, you know? Uh, if I watch the XFL has fewer, like four games every week. And if I'm broadcasting one of them, I saw one, I can catch up on the, on the other three. That's way more manageable. I would much rather do be an XFL broadcaster than a college football or NFL broadcaster. I think the XFL really fits me. I would love to work for them. Weird tangent. I'm sorry. I just thought of it. I guess that's my job is to talk, right? You're here because you want to hear me talk about sports and whatever. Um, Brandon's question is this. He says, will the Pac-12 get a shot at the college football playoff soon? Or will they cannibalize themselves every year? Do you think the, a conference realignment would help the Pac-12's chances? And if so, what teams would you like to see added or taken out of the conference? I think adding Boise State and BYU would be interesting. Thanks. Uh, by the way, here's why I don't think adding Boise State or BYU would be interesting. They wouldn't dominate the Pac-12. It wouldn't help anything. It might be, inter- it might be cool, right? Boise State is a really cool program. Uh, I don't know a lot about BYU. Um, and they're not as good. But... Um, they wouldn't dominate. The reason why the Pac-12... I've, I've said this for a long time. If you watch the Pac-12 in a vacuum, what that means is if you just had tunnel vision and only watched the Pac-12, it's phenomenal football. It really, it's really great. It's dramatic. It's fun. Teams beat each other. There's not really a dominant team. Everybody can beat everybody, and it's really fun that way. The problem is not having, an, not having a dominant team that's undefeated every year, like Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State, not having one of those teams... <laughs> makes it so that you don't make it in. It's, a, it's the unfortunate truth is that um, they're all so even, it hurts them on a national level. Now, I'm, I'm cool with it. I think, honestly, like, I would rather... For, here's a great example right now. Uh, Utah or Oregon is going to win the Pac-12 championship game. And I think you have to ask yourself, if you're Utah, if you're a Utah fan, would you rather go play Ohio State in the college football playoff and just get destroyed? You're going to get one game. Or go to the Rose Bowl, and win. Either way, you're only getting one game, and wouldn't you rather win a game and have a New Year's Day game? You get to watch it on your fa- like on a holiday and watch your team win. Doesn't that sound like a better experience, honestly, than going and getting destroyed by Ohio State and embarrassing, getting embarrassed at the end of your season? I just honestly, like, I think the Pac-12 is sitting pretty. They have a great bowl game. It's fun. It's competitive. It's interesting. Um, I don't think you want that fourth spot right now in the college football playoff. And I'll be brutally honest. Here is why. As long as Alabama wins, they're going to be the number four spot in the college football playoff. Um, here's why. What game would you rather watch? Be honest. Ohio State and Alabama 
or Ohio State and Utah. You might lie to yourself and say you'd rather watch Utah. You might say that now. But when it's 49 to 7, you're not going to watch. With Alabama, it might not be 49 to 7. It might be interesting. It's possible. And I'll be brutally honest, here's the, the other reality that's harsh and honest, and I don't really love this side of football and this side, especially college football, it's really smarmy and weird, but it's a business. It makes money. They want to make as much money as possible and make advertisers happy. The advertisers that are going to play commercials on the college football game, who do they want to play in that game? Who do they want to see their products? Who's going to bring the most viewership in to see their advertisements? Alabama or Utah? Alabama. Easily, Alabama is going to draw way more attention because the South, I hate to say this, it, it is, I just be, I'm honest, right? I get people in the Pacific Northwest, by the way, attack me all the time saying, why don't you defend us more? Because I'm not emotional. I'm not emotionally tied to my area. I can acknowledge the shortcomings of the Pac-12 and the shortcomings of the Pacific Northwest. I don't have to pretend that the Blazers are incredible. I believe that Damian Lillard should leave. I don't have to pretend that Anthony Gordon, the Washington State quarterback, is the second coming of Tom Brady because he's not. It, it just, you know, it's not. I don't, I'm not emotionally bound to my region, so I don't have to lie to myself. Who cares more about football? The South, Alabama, or Utah? I love Utah. It's a wonderful state. I went there. I broadcasted a game there. I met a lot of people there. I effing love Salt Lake City, it's a wonderful, wonderful place. It's beautiful. The mountains there, oh my God. I could go stay there for months and months. I could go right there and be alone, get a cabin. I think Salt Lake City is beautiful. I really like that area, but who cares more about football? Alabama. It's just not a contest. Who's going to bring more viewership? Alabama. The college football playoff committee is probably going to pick Alabama if they beat Auburn because they're going to bring in more money and more viewership to that college football game between Ohio State and Alabama than Utah Ohio State would. They're just not going to do it. Um, everyone wants to be, what about the honest, like I, I really like uh, Joel Klatt from Fox Sports is, is a really wonderful broadcaster. He's very idealistic. He's like, they got to be honest. They got to be, they don't have to do anything. They have to make money. The college football playoff cares more about making money. I think honestly, than having the best matchups. They don't care about the matchup, and they don't care about being intellectually honest and being fair to everybody. They want to make money. Is it unfair that two SEC teams are getting in when the Big 12 and the Pac-12 don't get in? Yes, absolutely, it's unfair. Does that matter to them? No, because they want to make money. I've said this way too much, and I've talked too much about it, but that's my opinion. There's no way Utah gets in if Alabama indeed wins on Saturday in the Iron Bowl. Okay, Alone writes in. This is my uh, probably my favorite question I've ever been asked uh, on. And that's not true. I've been asked really great questions. I'm not going to say that. Alone writes in. Alone says, if you could choose any quarterback ever, not named Tom Brady or Joe Montana, who would you choose and why? Okay, let's, let's say this. Even if Tom Brady and Joe Montana were available, I wouldn't pick them. I would pick Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, in my opinion, is the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my entire life. And if I had to build a football team, he would be my first pick all time. I'm, there, there's nobody I would rather build a football team ever in the history of the NFL than Russell Wilson. I, and I'm not, I'm not a homer. I know I'm from the Pac-12. I'm not from the, I'm from the Northwest. And people are going to go, you're a homer. Dude, I, I trash in the Northwest all the time. I'm very honest about this area. They're not great. 
uh, I think people don't watch enough Russell Wilson. If Russell Wilson was a New York Giants quarterback, he'd be considered like the, the, the next big thing. He'd be like, he'd be a mega superstar. He's a superstar as it is in Seattle. If he was the quarterback of the New York Giants, <laughs> Russell Wilson would be the biggest deal since sliced bread. You know, I was talking about Tom Brady the other day. I was talking about how nobody could win with the help he's received. You know, Tom Brady's a good defense and a good coach, but his offensive line is terrible. His receivers are a mess. He's got no running game. And Tom Brady, and people are like, well, Zach, he has a defense. Yeah. Is the defense catching passes for Tom Brady? Is the defense, is Bill Belichick going out there and pass blocking for Tom Brady? They're not. <laughs> They're not. So stop the nonsense that uh, he, Tom Brady has a bunch of help. He has help maybe from his defense. Tom Brady does not have help on offense. And I said Tom Brady's the only quarterback who could go 10-1 and one with the help that he has. That's not true. There are like maybe four quarterbacks in the NFL that could. I think I got caught up in the moment and just was going, uh, Russell Wilson could win with the Patriots. Russell Wilson, I'm confident, could win with nearly any team. Uh, last year, I can't remember who ranked them this way, but somebody ranked the Seahawks offensive line 31st in pass protection. And Russell Wilson went 10-6 and six and won a lot. Russell Wilson can win with less more than anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. Not to mention, he's a great leader. He went to Wisconsin and was named a captain in two weeks when he transferred. They're like, oh, this guy's a stud. We love him. He elevated Wisconsin. The one time, when's the one time in the last, I don't know, 20 years, Wisconsin had a good quarterback finally? Russell Wilson. Man, oh my gosh, he's so good. Um, I, I just, man, he has been in Seattle for years and people just forget about him. And he's won with such a small amount of help. He's got DK Metcalf, who struggles to catch the ball, who can't catch jump balls. Russell Wilson throws jump balls to DK Metcalf all the time, and he can't catch them. I don't understand why Russell Wilson isn't considered to be better than he. He like we talk about Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. Russell Wilson's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen in my life. I just I wish more people would embrace him. Um, I think some people just don't appreciate him for how good he is. He wins with nothing. And not nothing. He's got some people around him. I'm sure someone's going to get offended about that. But the, the ability to win with an offensive line. Like Tom Brady's surviving with a bad offensive line. right? Tom Brady has a bad offensive line in New England. And he's not playing great, but he's surviving it. And they're winning games. Russell Wilson could thrive with that. His ability to extend plays is like nobody else. So if I had to pick one quarterback all time to build around. One player all time to build around. My personal choice, leadership, ability, work ethic. Um, he does all. He says and does all the right stuff. He's an incredible face of your franchise. I am building around Russell Wilson, and there's nobody else close to me, in my opinion. Aaron writes in. Aaron says, hey, Zach, I'm a big fan of your YouTube videos. I think CeeDee Lamb is the best receiver prospect. Am I nuts? Um, I don't think you're nuts. Now, it really comes down to it's either CeeDee Lamb who is the receiver at Oklahoma, or Jerry Judy, the receiver at Alabama. One of those two is the best receiver coming up in the NFL draft. Uh, Jerry Judy should be the number one pick, maybe. Like, it's very close. Uh, Jerry Judy runs great routes. He's super, he's extremely, extremely physical. Um, he can run after the catch. The only concern, though, is recently, Jerry Judy's been struggling with draws, which is weird. He's dropping the football. And it's kind of important for the top receiver prospect to catch the ball and not have a problem with drops. Um, now, Jerry Judy's drops are really the only reason why C.D. Lamb is being put in this conversation. If Jerry Judy catches everything, 
obviously he's the number one receiver. He, he's better. He's more crisp and more refined in other areas. But CD Lamb is so good. Here's what makes him incredible. He reminds me a little bit of Antonio Brown, actually. The way he can track the ball in the air and the way he can catch contested passes. Um, there's a defender next to him. CeeDee Lamb wins the ball nearly every time. And uh, I think you're right. You know, I think CeeDee Lamb is probably the best receiver in this draft class because of his ability to catch passes in one-on-one coverage against a defender. And you know, he just finds a way every single time to win contested passes. And his work ethic is awesome. He put on like 20 pounds between last year and this year. And all muscle. Like not, he didn't just get fat over the offseason. He pulled on like 20 pounds of muscle. CeeDee Lamb works his butt off. And uh, I'm really excited because around the time of the NFL draft, I have a spot over there for guests to come and sit. And I'm going to have my buddy Nathan Hawthorne come in. He played receiver in college. Played, he was a Division One wide receiver. He'll come in and analyze the, the top, like, we'll say the top four or five, maybe six receivers in the NFL draft and say, hey, you know, Nathan, where do you rank them? Why? We'll have a fun and deep, in-depth breakdown of them. Um, and that'll be Nathan's work. It'll be really fun to do it together. So um, expect that soon. But in my opinion, if you ask Zach, which is the name of the segment, um, CeeDee Lamb is the best receiver in the NFL draft. But it's very, very close. Him and Jerry Judy are neck and neck. Um, but I think that CeeDee Lamb does a better job catching the ball, like just straight up. And so that is why I would elevate him over Jerry Judy. Devin writes in, Devin says, Hey, Zach, what do you believe the Chargers should do this offseason to improve the team and get back to the Super Bowl conversation? And do you believe Anthony Lynn is anywhere near the hot seat after a disastrous third season? Um, That's where I want to start. Anthony Lynn has done an incredible job with the Chargers. I don't, he's not on the hot seat. He's one of the more underrated coaches, actually, in my opinion, in the NFL. Uh, he went nine and seven in his first year. He went twelve and four in his la- in last year. He's been f- he's four and seven so far this year. But Philip Rivers is the issue. Anthony Lynn is not the problem. In fact, Anthony Lynn's a great coach, in my opinion. Um, Philip Rivers has costly turnovers. He has really bad interceptions, and it's cliche to say. A lot of people just blame it on his age, but it's true. Watch him. His arm is declining. His arm is not the same. He throws the ball vertically, and he can't get it far enough. And his accuracy has been a mess, which means his body probably hurts. He's not been accurate. He's been a mess. His footwork is terrible. Um, it's like he's running. It's like he's working in sand in the pocket, literally. Um, and here's, did anybody watch the Chargers and the Chiefs? His accuracy was all over the place. The Chargers and the Chiefs. I think it was in Mexico City, I believe. Um, man, he had like he, I think he had four interceptions in that game. I remember watching that game. I was like, oh. Philip Rivers is done. It was the first time I was like, this, you know, it's over. It's, uh, this, this game is the game that ended Philip Rivers' career as the Chargers quarterback. There's no way the Chargers front, I, I'm, I'm, I'm certain of it. The Chargers front office watched that game and went, we need a new guy. We need a new quarterback. Our current quarterback is costing us games. They were like, we can't do it. We're done. We got to move on. So, is Anthony Lynn the problem? Absolutely not. What do they need to do? Oh, how about get a new quarterback? <laughs> Pretty simple. I think you signed Teddy Bridgewater. You're in, you're in great shape. You signed Gardner Minshew to the Chargers. You're in good shape. You got pieces there. A great defensive line. A good running back. Good receivers. Talent everywhere. What's the problem with the Los Angeles Chargers? Why are they losing football games? Why are they 4-7? and seven? 
Philip Rivers. I was going to do a film analysis of him this week. I just didn't have time because I have, I have two in-studio interviews this week. I have Thanksgiving. I didn't have time to do a film analysis this week. Uh, I wanted to do one on Philip Rivers because he had his bye week last Sunday. He is the reason why. I, I've watched enough film. You know, you Just take my word for it. If you don't believe me, fair enough. I'll do a film analysis later this year. Philip Rivers is the reason why the Chargers are losing football games. He's a difference for them. His interceptions, his inaccuracy, his bad decisions, they are costing him and costing his team victories. Lenny writes in. Actually, first we have a, 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 what do you call this? A comment from Alexander. Alexander writes in. He says, hey, Zach, no question for me. I just wanted to thank you for opening up about your brother when you were talking about Solomon Thomas. I can imagine it's still hard to talk about his loss, and it's so brave of you to do so. But by the way, I'm glad people say that it's brave. Uh, a lot of people say this to me. I've never felt brave talking about Zane's death. Uh, I do it because I think it's the right thing to do. Um, and actually, I'm, I'm very comfortable talking about it. A lot of people, I think, I think I have dealt with it more than most people would have. I think I've processed, I'm a lot farther along in the grieving process than most people who lose their brother three years ago. Um, I appreciate you calling me brave. I'm a little bit uncomfortable when people call me brave because I'm not brave. Uh, I'm just doing what I think is the right thing to do, which is talk about suicide and, and be honest that it's a really serious conversation. He says, it's important to start conversations about mental health and illness and mental health and illness and you using your platform is going to empower others to speak up when they need help. You never know what people are going through and mental illness is so hard to talk about with all the stigma surrounding it, but maybe someone listening to your podcast feels more supported now. You never know what kind of impact you could have. So again, thank you. I appreciate you sharing your family story and I hope you're recovering however you can. You always keep it real, so real on your pod. And that's the reason you're my favorite YouTuber. Sending love this Thanksgiving. Thanks. Uh, thanks. Take care, bud. Alexander, thank you, man. I uh, <laughs> I miss my brother, man. Like, I, you, you just do. You just remember that the suicide hotline is 1 800 273 If you're struggling, go get help. Um, I tell people every episode, man, if you're having a hard time, don't suffer in silence. And be sure to tell the people in your life you love them, you care about them. Don't be afraid to open up and have deeper conversations than just uh, about sports and movies and video games. Have some depth to your conversations. I challenge that every episode. Um, Alexander, I love you, man. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for supporting me on Patreon. And uh, it means the world to me. And I think you know Solomon Thomas is now in a suicide awareness episode. I think that's an untold story in the NFL uh, Solomon Thomas's struggles in the NFL. He's kind of a bust. His sister died after his first year. It's very important. Nobody, nobody, everyone looks over that completely. Um, and I think it's hard to, it's hard to survive at all when your brother dies and when your a sibling of yours dies. It's, it's hard to do anything. I, I dropped out of college. Um, I didn't do anything about it. I worked at a car wash for two years, literally. I, I was useless. I, I did nothing. Um, I can't believe that Solomon Thomas found a way to stay in the NFL at all, let alone you know, keep his spot. It's it just, it's impressive. So um, nobody gives him the credit he deserves. He's a, not a bust. He's a guy who's went through a lot. And I think people need to acknowledge that a little more and have a little more graciousness towards Solomon Thomas and his journey. Lenny writes in, Lenny says, Hey Zach, I want to know what makes you love football. For me, it's the fact that every snap, every player gives it 110% every time. And when they don't, they lose. I also just love watching and analyzing defenses. That's what makes this sport great in my mind. Um, the best thing about football in the world, honestly, is the lessons you can learn um, and the 
that's a great one right there is if, if you don't bring your A game, you fail. What, what happens to me on the podcast? If I don't do my best every time, people call me out when I make a bad segment. People call me out when I screw up. Um, it's just the way it works. And so uh, I, I think that that lesson and so many other lessons that you can learn from the game of football, uh, it's the ultimate team sport. There's nothing like it where in baseball, there's one guy batting in uh, it's just there's and there's some there, on defense is a little different. There's more communication there and camaraderie, but man, uh, there's more isolation in other sports. In football, if the offensive lineman doesn't do his job, we fail. If the receiver doesn't catch the ball, he fails. If the quarterback makes the wrong read, we fail. If a defender's in the wrong spot, you fail. If it really is so important for all eleven guys to be on the same page, um, and it's to me, it's just incredible, beautiful thing. The other thing I love about football are the stories. There's just, it's a, and really this is any sports is, is that it lends itself so well to stories. Guys like Julian Edelman is an incredibly inspiring story. He's a Patriots receiver. He played quarterback in college. He was a sixth round pick and he has elevated himself into a really great receiver, like a legendary receiver um, by working his butt off. He went from a quarterback to a receiver. That's, that's impressive, man. To have the, the career he's had, Super Bowl MVP, uh, do what he's done. I don't think he's an all-time player. I think he's very good, though. And his story is inspiring. Tom Brady's story is inspiring. He overcame the odds. No one wanted him. It, it's, to, the, to me, that's why it's so cool. Football's also a beautiful game. I love the strategy and the nuance of football, man. It's just so cool. Like, breaking down film, you guys know, it's my passion. It's fun to me. I love doing it. Um, I, I think the hard part about this industry, honestly, is that it moves so quickly. Uh, it's hard to do film analysis videos during the year because I, I don't have the time I really need to do to give it right. I don't have the, a right. I don't want to make a, I don't want to rush an episode. Basically. I don't want to make a, a bad product because I'm in a hurry. And so my film analysis aren't as good during the regular season. They're better in the off season when I can really take the time I need to. And uh, I did, I worked on a Kirk Cousins episode for two weeks last year, two weeks. Cause it, Takes time, takes hours and hours. It was like 120 hours of my life. So um, it's the best, man. Breaking out football is so cool. And then I loved playing football. Your team, you know, having a brotherhood. Even I was at a college very briefly and I left for reasons. Uh, I, struck, I didn't like my coach, my, my quarterback coach. We, we did not get along and I left. I didn't believe in him and I left. Um, and his his style of coaching and dealing with quarterbacks didn't work for me and I didn't trust him and I didn't believe he was telling me the truth. And so I left. I didn't believe he was being honest with me. And so uh, I left, but I still love those guys, man. The, the teammates I made there, uh, it was painful to leave because you're so tight with your brothers and your teammates and you work hard together and you build something together. Um, and having a bunch of dudes coming together for a common goal is so cool. And so that's that, though, all those reasons are why I love the sport of football so much. To me, it's, uh, uh, it's not just – a lot of those things are just general things that make sports great. I just think that the, the, the nuances of, and the strategy of football are what makes it special to me. I don't know the strategy of basketball as well or baseball as well. I would really love to get – I have some friends who play college baseball. I'd love to get them on the podcast and do like an interview with them and talk about what are the nerdy strategic things I don't know about basketball or baseball. That would be fun to me. Uh, and I, I want to make that happen soon. I have now a spot, a way to bring people on the show. But football to me is the sport I know the best. And I love the strategy. 
And then I love all the other stuff that makes you know sports special. And then again, I think again football is a a special sport because it, unlike other sports, really is important to have a, a team camaraderie and chemistry more than golf or baseball. There's a one pitcher and one batter. Uh, I know there's team stuff. There's teamwork in basketball, but football has a different level of teamwork than any other sport. Uh, one guy can't take over a game the same way you can in basketball or baseball. And so um, I think football is just special. It's a cool sport. Devin Ritzini says, hey, Zach, it's Devin with an A again. I've been away for a while, so preparing, I've been away for a while preparing for my new job and whatnot. Congrats, man. That's awesome. So sorry I haven't been active in the community as much. Just want to say I'm still excited about your continued growth. I'm happy you're getting rest now and taking care of yourself. It really shows in your content. Thank you. I'm working hard to take time to take a break when I need to and rest. He says, not many people know this, but I'm a San Francisco 49ers fan living in Louisiana. Saints territory can get a little hostile when you love another team. While I love my boys and right, I just cannot help but adore watching the Ravens and Lamar Jackson run through teams. So as a 49ers fan who loves watching Lamar Jackson, I don't blame you, man. It's awesome. He says, what is your favorite moment of the Ravens football so far this year? Mine was when the Ravens committed a 12 men on the field penalty, when the Rams, excuse me, my favorite Ravens moment, according to, according to Devin, this is my favorite Ravens moment of the year was when the Rams committed a 12 men on the field penalty and got the Ravens in field goal range. Justin Tucker came out and got set up for, to kick a field goal. Lamar Jackson ran out to the field that the offense told him to get back on the bench and that he's got this and converted the fourth down. It really cemented my love for Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Lamar was like, get off the field. We're going for this on fourth down, and they got it. That's really cool. Uh, my favorite Ravens moment of the year, and really, let's be honest, it's Lamar Jackson's team. My favorite Lamar Jackson moment of the year was where he had this incredible day throwing the football, and he goes, he says to the media after the game, he goes, not bad for a running back. Not bad for a running back. I loved it. I was like, yes, you go. It was, he was just calling out his critics, me among them. I was a guy who didn't believe in Lamar Jackson. And so it's for him to have the, the, the moxie to go, not bad for a running back, huh? And looking at the camera all spry and smiling, I was like, he got it. He got everybody. And he's proven everybody wrong. And the, it's been so much fun. I, people are like, you flip-flopped on Lamar Jackson. Shut up. It's fun to watch a guy f- like prove everybody wrong. People think I root against guys. I, don't, I, don't, I make predictions. I don't really care if they're right. I hope they are. Um, that's not true. Uh, I, I literally just contradicted myself. I make predictions, and it'd be cool. To, it's nice to be right. But ultimately, I root for everybody to succeed. And so when I'm wrong, I'm not upset. I'm not like, oh, darn it, like, it's too bad Lamar Jackson. You know, I really want Lamar Jackson to succeed because it's fun to watch him. I love watching him make everybody eat their words. It's so cool to me. Uh, not bad for a running back is my favorite moment of the year for Lamar Jackson. And his continual ability to prove everybody wrong about him. I don't, I don't know how you don't like that. I, I don't know what person out there is like the Grinch who stole Christmas and they're like, friggin' Lamar Jackson proving it. Like, does anybody hate Lamar? I, I don't think anybody hates Lamar Jackson. It's been fun to watch. It's been really cool and I've really enjoyed it. Um, and watching him grow this year, it's my favorite thing about Lamar Jackson. Okay, Ben writes in. Ben says, 
I know you mentioned this on Friday's podcast, but do you think you'll be doing a Josh Allen film analysis soon? I know it's kind of a pain to make film analysis videos, but they're some of my favorites, and I would love to see a Josh Allen film analysis, especially with the Bills' newfound success. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Um, I can't wait to either, you know, especially after that Cowboys-Bills game. Uh, I, it really, to me, what I have seen from Josh Allen is tremendous continual growth. He's just a different quarterback than he was week one. Now, I might not do a film analysis of him until after the year ends because it's so difficult. It takes three days to make one, and I don't get access to the film till the middle of the week. And then by the time I can finish the film analysis, it's already next week. So it's like, it's just, it's almost impossible to do film analysis videos. It's so hard during the year. Um, like some people, the people that make them make one a week, make one video a week. I don't make one video a week. I do a lot of stuff. And so um, people see a 10 minute video and have no idea what goes on behind that video, whether it's the editing, the writing, the research, hours and hours of watching film and researching. Who is injured in this game? What, uh, who is hurt? How about, what were the circumstances? What's the weather like? What storylines are going into the game this week? Not to mention what also happened on the field. There's a lot that plays into it. And so, um, you know, and this week I, I had two studio interviews. It was Thanksgiving. I'm totally thrown off. I, I can't do, you know, Tuesdays are my day to make do film analysis stuff. And I can't if I'm, I interviewed Marcel this week. I have another interview coming over in a couple minutes. It just totally threw me off. And so, um, I will do a film analysis of Josh Allen as soon as I can. I really can't wait to do it. It's on my heart. And you know, don't, don't please understand, when the, when the year ends, I'm going to do every single quarterback in the NFL. Like, an analysis of how did the year go for everybody. So uh, I'm going to get to it, I promise. It's just going to take me time. It's really hard during the year to do any kind of film analysis. I can basically do one a week at the best. Sometimes I can do two. Uh, now the bye weeks are over, so that really makes it worse and harder. Uh, but I'm doing the best I, I absolutely can. Uh, Calvin writes in. Calvin said, hey, Zach, I want to tell a short story about why I'm a Seahawks fan. I'm from a small town in Washington that is about 20 minutes from the ferry to Seattle. I was a sophomore in high school when we won the Super Bowl and remember the magic of that season and how the community really took on the identity of that team. Every Friday, the halls of my high school would be full of Seahawks jerseys and attire on both, from both students and teachers. Western Washington is somewhat infamous for high suicide rate, uh, rates, and this, year, and this extended to my small community. My junior year, a fellow junior committed suicide in the fall. He was a widely liked and friendly student. He was someone everyone knew and got along with. It rocked my entire town and sent deep ripples throughout. As a result, my hometown went through the shared pain and grieving that goes with such a painful event. Of course, sports meant nothing in comparison, but it got really hard to enjoy the games because my town was as small as it was. All sense of normalcy left. A few weeks later, I remember the first time things started to go back to normal. It was a Friday before a game, and I saw a few Seattle Seahawks jerseys at my school. A few weeks after that, more jerseys showed up. The pain and grief of the loss were not gone but the ability to enjoy something as insignificant as a football game was coming back. I don't want to make the claim that the Seahawks healed our community. They didn't. The pain is never really going to be gone. It leaves a scar that will never really heal. But every time I watch my Hawks or listen to a game called by the wonderful Steve Rabel, it serves as a reminder of home and how my community can come together to support our own. 
It also reminds me that we can come together over shared joy, not just shared suffering. That's beautiful. Calvin, that, that's the best. You get you an A+. Plus. Your essay is amazing. Um, that's awesome. I mean, that, that is why sports are so great. Uh, I, I hate to call them this, right? They're, they're not... There's a lot more important things going on in the world. There's a lot of stuff that I don't, I don't want to talk about because this is a sports podcast. We don't talk about the real-world problems going on other than suicide to me. It's the only thing I talk about um, that matters outside of sports. Um, sports are an escape. Like, they don't make you... They, sports do not... When I'm having a hard day and I go watch sports, it doesn't help me deal with my problems at all, but it helps me get away from them and have a, a brief window of time where nothing else matters. There's no pain. There's no suffering. It's just sports and entertainment. I, and that's why, to me, I love them so much is they really helped me through my darkest times. And when I, got, when I was really in, in the worst times of my life, really struggling, even sports couldn't help me. That's why there was a, like about a year period where I didn't watch sports. I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I, I, like I, I tried to watch the, uh, what was it, the Seahawks and the Patriots, and I fell asleep because I just was so depressed about my brother dying, and I, I couldn't get myself into it because I couldn't distract myself from it. And so, uh, but that's what they are to me. They're a, a, an incredible, incredible distraction that really um, are awesome. They just, they just are. Okay. Aiden writes in. Aiden says, hey, Zach, I finally joined Patreon last week and supporting you was a big reason why. Thank you. That means a lot to me. I appreciate it. I found your show over the summer and I really enjoy listening to it while I'm at work. I really liked what you said in your last episode about doing an all Ask Zach show so you can get more questions, and here's mine, for that or whatever episode you want to put it in. Why do you think that the best college football programs don't necessarily produce the best quarterbacks? And on the other side, why do some of the most successful quarterbacks in college don't find success in the NFL? Obviously, in the last few years, you've had Deshaun Watson, Baker Mayfield, and Patrick Mahomes from top schools, but players like Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston, and of course Johnny Manziel and Tim Tebow were unable to succeed in the pros after doing very well in college. Is it just really hard to find a quarterback? I tried my best to keep this brief, but here, well, here we are. Thank you for looking at this with your eyeballs, and I hope you get to hear your answer. I hope I get to hear your answer soon. P.S. I bought my SOS shirt yesterday. Let's go! That's an older question, but that's awesome. I'm glad I'm able to support you, and good luck with SOS and broadcasting in the future. Best wishes, Aiden. Thanks for buying a shirt, man. I really hope you wear it proudly. You rock it on Instagram. You take a picture in it. Tag me in it. I would love to. I, it makes me so happy. Um, okay. Having less help in college promotes quarterback development. The better your team is, the easier it is for you to not grow. You know, Jake Fromm is the quarterback at Georgia. And I don't know how many times I watch him. And he has time in the pocket for days. And nobody around him. He can sit in the pocket for like eight seconds and there's nobody even near him. Just like he's like on a little cloud, totally safe. Um, that's not best for the NFL because the NFL isn't like that. Uh, and honestly, what works in college isn't necessarily what works in the NFL. Athletes are bigger and faster. You know, Tim Tebow could run really well in college. Would he run as well in the NFL? I don't know. Um, you, could hide his, you could hide his deficiencies in college. You couldn't in the NFL because guys were better, faster, and had more time to prepare. So it's interesting to me, look at historically the best quarterbacks of all time. Troy Aikman, uh, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers. Actually, oddly enough, the Pac-12 
and the Big Ten historically produce the best quarterbacks. There's other outliers, um, but you don't see quarterbacks coming from Alabama or um, the top teams in the SEC. It just doesn't happen because there's so much talent and they're not forced to grow. Um, you know, Russell Wilson went to the Big Ten. Tom Brady, Big Ten. Drew Brees, Big Ten. Aaron Rodgers, Pac-12. Troy Aikman, Pac-12. Um, having less help around you makes you a better quarterback. It forces you to grow. Whether it's leadership and encouraging guys and building a program, Drew Brees elevated Purdue to a Rose Bowl. A, no, a nothing program, really, from Indiana got to the Rose Bowl with Drew Brees. Russell Wilson got Wisconsin to a Rose Bowl. He made them better with his leadership. It pushed him to be a better quarterback. And then having an average offensive line makes you better because you have to develop the way you move in in the pocket. It makes you a better quarterback. Limitations can cause you either to grow or cause you to fail. The best quarterbacks use their limitations and grow from them. The best quarterbacks learn from times where they meet limitations. Uh, that's how the NFL is. Now, there are always outliers who break rules. Deshaun Watson is from Clemson. He went to a great school, and he's an incredible quarterback. Um, but often, qu- the best quarterbacks are developed at average programs where they have an average offensive line and have to work at stepping up in the pocket and moving around. And how do you win with a guy who isn't as talented? you got to throw more accurate passes, and you got to be more on the money. Um, you know, look at Alabama. They throw a two-yard screen pass that goes for a 70-yard touchdown because they have the best receiver in college football. So, like, him or Jerry, you know, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb, it's, it's really, really close. Don't get mad at me about that. Please don't. People get caught up on that stuff. It's like, I'm just saying that. I'm not, they have a great receiver who's incredible. It doesn't matter whether he's number one or two. It's, like, really close. Um, it's interesting that you don't see a lot of guys coming from Alabama. It just, it's very rare. Tua Tungalil is rare. A lot of people don't believe in Tua. They say Tua is surrounded by too much talent. He's never had to struggle enough. I don't think that's true. I think you watch Tua and you go, okay, no, he's just a special quarterback on top of playing for a great school. Um, but it's rare, yeah, that you see a great quarterback come from a bad program. And then again, Johnny Manziel's skill set didn't work in the NFL. He relied on his physical ability, and his physical ability was good enough to work in college, not in the NFL. He couldn't get away with it in the NFL. Guys who rely on their physical talent at quarterback alone very rarely succeed. I think Lamar Jackson might, and, and Lamar Jackson doesn't just rely on his physical ability. Um, it's, you got to prepare hard. You got to work hard. Lamar Jackson does all the stuff that you need to be, to be a successful quarterback. Johnny Manziel didn't prepare hard. Tim Tebow didn't throw the ball very well, <laughs> like, frankly. And he wouldn't do what his coaches said. I got a topic about this tomorrow where, you know, Taysom Hill is this incredible athlete with the New Orleans Saints, and he just does whatever his coaches want. It's so cool. That could have been Tebow, but Tebow didn't want to do that. So that's why uh, the best quarterbacks don't come from the best programs is limitations matter and limitations make you a better quarterback if you grow from them. Okay, Michael writes in. He says, uh, in the middle of your latest podcast, I just heard the question about bandwagon fans. I wanted to respond as a longtime Titans fan. I really liked his response. Michael says, is it really satisfying anymore? To watch the Patriots destroy the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Every Titans game is meaningful. We'll beat anyone and lose to anyone. Last year we crushed the Patriots and beat the Eagles in overtime. But we also lost to the Dolphins and the Bills and we missed the playoffs. I'd like to argue that a Titans win is so much more rewarding when you A. Don't expect it and B. You've been a longtime fan through the rough years. In fact, I'm sure there's a ton of Patriots fans from the 80s and 90s 
who are a little bit bitter about all the bandwagon fans that are here now. Now, I don't ha- hate bandwagon fans, but I do think that there's something about being there during the rebuilding that makes being a fan so much more rewarding. Thanks, Michael. Uh, I love that. When, you, when you're there for something through the process of building it, it's more meaningful when it comes to you have finally success. Trust me, that's the show. I used to do strong opinion sports in a dorm room. Now we have a whole room dedicated to just recording. How cool is that? I, I get that process of building something. Um, that's why I didn't say you should support a team because they win. If I support a football team, it's because they're run really well. I don't have time to support a football program or any, any sports team that's poorly run where I don't agree with things going on. If you make too many decisions in a row that I don't agree with, I can't support you. But, man, that's the one thing he's, he's got that nailed is when you support a team for a long time and they finally win, it feels so much better. Alabama fans, you know, I went to, uh, what did I do? I worked for ESPN's college game day one time. It was uh, in Pullman, Washington, a tiny little town, Washington State University. And uh, all the crew there was like, man, we're so glad to be here and not Alabama. Because Alabama fans don't appreciate college game day anymore. They don't show up as much. Uh, it's become normalized to them. Oh, yeah, of course ESPN's here. They're always here. Whereas Washington State University had never had ESPN's college game day there before. Everybody flocked to watch and to be a part of that moment because it had never happened before. I got the honor to work there and operate a camp. It was really, really cool. Um, but my point is that the more you succeed, the easier it is to take it for granted. That's why I, I'm really careful with strong opinion sports. Um, I never want to take it for granted. I work my butt off because I understand that having 114,000 subscribers isn't easy. And I haven't made it, and I've got a long way to go. And I'm still living paycheck to paycheck, to be quite honest. And so um, I just got to keep working and keep growing. And I never, ever want to take it for granted how wonderful my life is and how, you know, I, yeah, I have a, a very weird job where I work at 2 a.m. all the time and I don't go out with my friends and it's totally okay because that is the price you pay to have the greatest job in the world. So I don't know how I got here, but uh, I guess the point is be grateful for what you have and never take success for granted. Uh, last question of the day is from Alex. Alex writes to send, he says, first of all, I just want to say I love your content and can't wait to see you grow. I also have a question for your Ask Zach segment. You have said that Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback ever. Obviously, he is the most successful quarterback, but I am wondering if you also believe he is the most talented quarterback ever. I do not have anywhere near the football knowledge you have, but in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers is a more talented quarterback because of his ability to throw on the run, arm strength, and other characteristics Brady does not possess. I would love to hear your thoughts because, as I said, you have more football knowledge than I do, and I would love to hear what you see on film. Keep up the great work, and I can't wait to watch your future content. No, you're right. Uh, Tom Brady is not the most talented quarterback of all time. That's why he's so cool. He wins even though he's not the best on, on paper. He doesn't have the best arm. He's not the fastest. He's not the biggest. Physically, Tom Brady is just a guy. But Tom Brady controls the things he can control. Tom Brady says, okay, what are the things I can work on and make better? So there's skill and there's talent. Uh, Aesop Winston Jr. is a wide receiver at Washington State University. He's not talented. 
He's very slow. He's not very athletic. He's he's just not physically gifted, but he's very skilled. He said, the things I can work on, my route running ability, my this, my that, I'm going to get better at. Tom Brady's the same way. Tom Brady said, okay, I can't run very fast. I don't have the strongest arm. What, what can I control? What can I work on? My footwork is impeccable. I'm very accurate. I understand NFL defense is better than anybody in the NFL of all time ever. The reason why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time is because I talked about limitations earlier, how when you run into limitations, you either, you either grow or you fail. Brady overcame his limitations and grew as a person and as a quarterback. Um, he's the greatest quarterback of all time because he found a way to be successful without being the most physically gifted. He's also probably the most coachable quarterback of all time. Uh, he trusts his coaches. He does what they say. To this day, if you watch a New England Patriots practice, Tom Brady will get ripped at and completely yelled at by Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick will call him out and yell at him. Because Tom Brady knows I'm not above anybody else. The buck stops with me. I need to be able to be yelled at so other people can be yelled at. I'm an example, a shining example for everybody else in the Patriots locker room. How I act, everybody looks to me for the way to act and operate. Um, I, I think a lot of people think that I'm a, a Patriots fan. I'm not. I really admire the way they run things. Um, and you have, they're the greatest organization ever. You have to talk about them. You have to acknowledge that, right? It's, they've won how many Super Bowls and how many years? It's unbelievable. I'm not a, a Patriots fan. I would say I'm probably a Tom Brady fan. I, I really like him. Um, I think a lot of people hate him for understandable reasons. The, the commercials, the hair, the supermodel wife, whatever. I, I, I just admire him. I, when people are really successful, I know people that are in the business world very successful. And I go get coffee with them. And I talk to them because I want to hear how they did what they did. Tom Brady's the same way. I look up to him. Uh, he is so, his story is so compelling to me. A guy who overcame the odds, who uh, knew that he wasn't the most talented, but found a way to win anyways, with footwork, with arm strength, with leadership, with working with guys. With He watches clearly so much film. Like, he doesn't take it. It's really, really hard for me when, you know, this offseason, Baker Mayfield very clearly took a probably a two-month chunk of time and recorded so many commercials. Like, he is in so many commercials. It blows my mind. Literally, like, the day you record, it's hard to also do other stuff. It's just, it's just there's not a lot of other things you can do. And so um, Tom Brady doesn't do that. He records maybe – I'm sure there's, like, a, a two-week period where Tom Brady stays away from football. But other than that, he's football year-round. He doesn't take breaks. He, he clearly works his butt off. And uh, I think that the, the fact that, yeah, Tom Brady's not the most talented quarterback of all time, and that just makes it more clear to me that's why he's the greatest, is he's found ways to win – other than being physically gifted. In fact, I would look at Aaron Rodgers and say, Aaron Rodgers relies on his talent a little too much and could be more detail-oriented, and he's not. Um, Patrick Mahomes is probably the most physically gifted quarterback of all time ever, but his, his attention to detail could be higher, could be better. Tom Brady puts every other quarterback to shame because his details are so nuanced and so uh, well, well thought out. And I just think that that's why Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, he's not the most talented. And that's exactly why he's the greatest. He's the most successful because of the work he puts in, which makes him the greatest. Uh, that's a very long-winded answer. 
Guys, that is all I have for today. Uh, it's a, We're just at a, right about the over-the-hour mark. Um, I just want to say thank you so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate you. Remember, this episode was entirely brought to you by Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. If you want to ask a question, it's a dollar a month. You can give me more if you want. A uh, dollar a month's very, it's $12 a year. That's very low. Uh, I, I just wanted to, if enough people give a dollar a month and enough people have, it helps me survive. It means a lot to me. It helps me pay my rent, literally. And so um, if you want to ask a question, patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. I don't guarantee to read it on the show, but I do guarantee to look at every single question with my eyeballs. And uh, I love you so much. Hope you had a great holiday. And I'll see you again next week. But um bum bam we are done.